Welcome to Own Your Voice, the personal and professional development podcast for today's creative artists. Grab a chair and join us. We saved you a seat at the table. Now, here's your host, Gabrielle Stahlschmidt. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Own Your Voice. Today, I have with me a very special guest. Kaya Maseko is actually a London-based singer, musician, and entertainer, and I'm so excited that you have agreed to sit down and talk with me because you have such a wealth of knowledge with just your background in music, and you are truly a crossover artist. So I'm very interested in learning how that experience has been for you, the success that you've had on both sides. I know we'll get a little bit um, into it a little bit later, how you class your current style of music, but I know that you started with a musical theater basis. And I do have a lot of students here who are in music theater, but want to expand and do other things as well. So I'm very interested to get your insight and your wisdom on that and then everything in between. So without further ado, welcome. And I will have you, you just go ahead, introduce yourself and tell us about your background. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Gabrielle. And thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a real pleasure. Um, uh, I remember we were saying uh, just before we started, you know, how amazing technology is that we can actually sit down, you know, face to face. I know, it's amazing. And have a meeting like this is fantastic. Yes. Um, so, yes, my name is Kaya Masego. I am a half British, half South African um, singer, performer and musician. And I have been singing for as long as I can remember. I've always wanted to be um, a singer. Um, I was very fortunate to have been able to study music from a very young age. I actually mm -hmm. went to a specialist boarding school in South Africa, which I will get into a little bit later and tell you sure. all about that. And um, yeah, for the past, uh, ever since I left school for the past 10 years or so, I have been in musical theater, uh, most predominantly in The Lion King. And for the past about four years, I have been um freelance gigging um doing gigs here uh, in and around london working at a few clubs and also working on my own music that's amazing so do you dj as well i don't dj no, no okay no, okay i saw some I, I, of I, I, your I, 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 awesome I pictures and i was like what what even is all this it's so amazing <laughs> oh no, so uh, that's so that's one of my staple venues that i work at in london it's called the piano works and, okay uh, so usually what they have is like at the end, sort of about one o'clock it goes from having a full live band to having a DJ set and then sort of to make, to make that uh, mesh together. That makes sense A couple now. of songs with the band and the DJ together. So you would have seen uh, me with my, with my man, Ben Saville. Yes. Um, he's the resident DJ there. And we, we always have a blast doing things like that. Okay. Um, okay. I miss it a lot, actually. Yes. I mean, it looks like an absolute blast. So, I mean, everything that I've seen of yours looks very high energy. Um, how would you exactly classify that music? Is it soul? Is it funk? Is it, what is it exactly? Well, my, my own personal, uh, I mean, I've, I've only released um, one uh, album at the moment, uh, one EP at the moment, which is entitled Better Late Than Never. I released that back in 2018. Um, for that, the thing is, the whole idea behind that EP was, um, you know, I know enough uh, to be able to work on my own songs and write and compose my own songs. You know, I play mm -hmm. piano, I play drums, I'm able to work with, you know, programs like Logic and Ableton yeah. and things like that. So I was, I had written quite a few songs um, from, this was going on from when I was about 17, 18 till I was okay. probably about 25. And 
for a very, very long time, you know, as, as artists, we're always looking for the next thing. What's our next song going to be? What's, yeah. the, you know, we're looking for the next big move um, or the next move, not even the next big move. Right, right. But I was at a point where I was thinking, well, why am I looking for what's next when I haven't even brought what I have done already up to its full potential? And that okay. was the idea behind the Better Late Than Never EP and the idea behind the title. Okay. Um, so I took four of, my of what I thought were my strongest songs and I was working with some incredible musicians at the time which was one of the really uh from how transitioning out of musical theater and into the live performing world mm -hmm. into the musician world that was what really gave me uh the tools and the right people and the right sort of environment and energy to be able to take that project and put it into fruition right and you were already composing from a young age. So you kind of had both of those worlds going already. It wasn't like this complete shift. You were already yeah. doing some of that to help you transition into that. Exactly. That was yeah. um, something that I, that I wanted to transition into. Um, I, when, you know, going back to when I started um, in, in, in musical theater, mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. I yeah. always knew I wanted to be a singer. And I'm pretty sure that's the case with a lot of the, especially the younger listeners yeah. right now is that, you know, you want to be a singer. You love singing, you know, mm -hmm. you really know in your heart that this is what you want to do as a career yeah. for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Then there comes the issue of, well, how do I do that? Yeah. You know, how do I convert this voice of mine, you know, into ways of making income yeah because at the end of the day amen that's what we need we all need to pay rent to put food on the table yes. and, you know put petrol in our cars or a gas in yes. our cars yes you know um <laughs> and that was um where i got into uh musical theater was you know the, the only thing i knew how to do the only thing i knew what to do was to find an agent yeah um so my father found me an agent um and I didn't know what age it did or what age it was. You know, I really was. Because bearing in mind, this was in South Africa at the yeah. time. I was born in the UK, but I spent most of my, I, I lived in South Africa for 14 years. So okay. When I was about seven and I left when I was about 20, 21. Okay. Yeah. So this was all uh, happening in South Africa. And one of the first uh, the first gig that I ever got was um, at an institution called the National Children's Theatre, uh, which funnily enough was a uh, was a theatre that my mother took me to quite a few times when I was younger. That's so cool. Uh, it came full circle, yeah. though. That's amazing. I know, right? So, circle of life, you know, had to yes. put a metaphor into it. it but, that's um, okay. That's okay. I'm here for it. <laughs> my, my first job there was in a show called African Tapestry, which was a selection of uh, African stories that okay. were put together by... Um, the uh, the theatre director at the time, Joyce Levison, and the assistant director, Francois Thron. Uh, okay. Rest in peace. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. Um, okay. And that was my first um, foray into theatre. And after that, I got to do uh, The Wizard of Oz. They auditioned me for that. And How so cool. I got to do, so yeah, I got to play Love The Scarecrow. Yeah, yes, it was, it's my favourite. Always been my favourite role. It was fantastic. Okay. And while I was um, playing 
uh, in Af- while I was playing in the Wizard of Oz, uh, the uh, Lion King from Hong Kong Disneyland came to South Africa to audition. Okay. Um, I went to the audition knowing just I was auditioning for the Lion King. I didn't know what show I was auditioning for, what role I was auditioning for. I knew absolutely nothing. Although one of the best parts, one of the, one of the things um, I'm really grateful for when it came to my training was that I got there. And by the time I had got there, the line was all the way around the building. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I got not there. intimidating at all. Exactly. No, not intimidating <laughs> at all. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, it's going to be a long day. It's mm-hmm. fine. You know, and they came, uh, um, the guy in charge came out the door and um, he said, right. Um, so we're first seeing anyone that has sheet music. Did anybody bring sheet music? And you know, put my hand up when I was the only one that put my hand up. Oh, I got to go in very first. It's um, <laughs> amazing. You know, which, it never it, happens. It, right. You know, but it's, 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 again, it's something I'm very, very grateful for because I yeah. understand that not many people have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, we, there are so many fantastic singers out there in the world, you know, yeah. but, you know, learning, you know, learning how to sight read and learning how to read music is definitely, for me, was a privilege. I was yes. able to be sent to school and learn that when I was at school. When I yes. went to school, I went to an institution called the Drakensberg Boys Choir, um, which is a specialist uh, school it's situated in the middle of a mountain range um, oh, in a province it. called KwaZulu Natal now the, the closest town and it's a one horse town it's like half an hour away <laughs> the, the closest city um, is about 2 hours away wow so it's and uh, the school okay. was, was only maximum of about 100 boys oh wow okay um, and it they go from uh, ages 9 till 16 so i okay. went there when i was 11 and the first thing they teach you to do there is to read music because Amazing. you have we, we dealt in all four voice groups soprano okay. alto tenor and bass wow okay um, and we were doing really big serious works you know mm-hmm. we did Karl Orff's Carmina Burana we did yes. the Messiah you yes. know we did the Mozart Requiem and we were doing works like this uh, you know with a with it with a with an ever-changing repertoire right and so you can't sit down and note bash four different parts sometimes eight different parts with a hundred boys it just doesn't work so the first thing they teach you to do is to read music and that's Mm -hmm. really where the basis of my musical journey i think started okay Uh, just before that i was singing quite i was singing a lot in 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 school Mm -hmm. um it's, it's a story that I always tell, but um, one day I came home, I was in, I was in grade three, I think. Grade three? No, no, I'm not, sorry, grade five. I was in grade five. Okay. And I came home from school one day and I said, mom, I'm not joining the choir. I, I sang in the choir subs- every subsequent year before that. Um, yeah. And I said, I'm not joining the choir this year. None of my friends are in the choir. None of the cool kids are in the choir. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing it. Sorry, I'm not doing it. And... And my, my, one of my idols at the time and still to this day was Michael Jackson. My yes. Michael Jackson was the reason why I wanted to sing. We had okay. all of his albums, all of his records, all of his CDs. I would listen to them every day. I would know every song <laughs> word for word and all that. And so my mom said, okay, listen, I'm fine. If, if that's the decision you want to make, that's fine. I'm, I'm, you know, I accept that. But if, you don't if you quit the choir you won't be able to sing like michael jackson i went back and joined the choir the next day that's amazing oh my goodness i love that okay so he really was the the idol there the hero yeah yeah yeah. okay and and then later that year was when my uh my head teacher of the school at the time suggested that i audition for the drakensberg boys choir school Um, okay he had heard me sing before 
um, in the choir. Um, you know, I had, you know, I had like a solo that uh, or a solo or two in the choir. He heard me sing. He said, I think that he should go and do it. Um, and yeah. And then I spent four years at that school. Absolutely okay. life changing. Um, yeah. I got to tour with that. So that choir school, I toured the U.S. Uh, okay. We did a five week tour of the U.S. We landed at JFK and we went in a bus from Boston yeah. all the way to Pasadena, California. Wow. Wow. Five weeks <laughs> wow. singing in sort of every city and state along the way. It was That's incredible. Cool. That's um, cool. I got to tour the U.K., which was great coming back to the country of my birth and also got to tour Japan with them. Um, it really was an incredible experience. And uh, they're, still, they're still going today. Jocksburg was quiet. You know, they are a, a, a real South African institution um, and doing absolutely incredible things still today. I'm a little jealous. That sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, that's invaluable too. And I know, again, like we said in the beginning, that's not experience that everybody gets to have. So to have that very foundational training is, um, is amazing and key too, I'm sure in helping you launch your career. Um, trying to think of anything that we have here that's similar. And I can't think of anything for that I mean, age group. One, so One choir that, I, I don't know if they're still going, but one choir that we did actually do a couple of songs with and, and had a, um, a we, we worked with the Tucson, Arizona Boys Choir. Okay. The Tucson, Arizona is yep. one of the places that we went and they have a boys choir that's based okay. there. Sort of about a similar age group of what we were at the time. Yeah. And um, we never stayed, we never really stayed in hotels or we stayed with host families. So, yep. you know, people in the communities and whatnot, you know, they would organize, you know, uh, people, to, you know, some people could host just one boy. Some people could host up to as many as six boys, you know. It's like the um, classical style of patronage system, you know, exactly. something like that. That's pretty cool. Exactly. I love getting the community involved. That's amazing in the arts too. So then um, it's fair to say that you were classically trained early on. Yes, I was cla- Yes, I was classically trained from early on. From when I was 11 years old all the way up until I finished high school at 18, I was classically trained. So then can you kind of expound upon how you use that training um, in your musical theater career and even what you're doing now? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to learn that basics you know the basics of singing from a very young age you know from a formative age you know it in 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 a way my body sort of grew around that and my body developed around being a singer Mm -hmm. um and being able to switch uh from that sort of more classical sound uh to a more sort of pop sound to you know more of a lighter sound a light music sound um it's it's been invaluable to me, um, and yeah, it's it's that you haven't really thought about, you know, like how do I use that? And, exactly, you know, well, yeah, it's, it's it's something that's always come so naturally to me. Um, right, right. It's so, not like you were just specifically trained in music theater, but you had that kind of foundation of how to use your voice well and leaning in the classical style too is really leaning into that um, ear training and that sight singing and that understanding the foundational aspects of yes. music. And that yeah. transfers over naturally no matter what genre you're in because it strengthens yeah. your natural ability as a singer. Yes. So, yes. Okay. So that, yeah. What you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Word, got it, got it. I'm not a teacher at all, so I don't understand how it works at all. Um, okay, so then kind of explain, I know you said your father found you an agent, but was that something first and foremost where it was family driven for you to get into theater? Or was that your natural kind of bent? It was, um, well, because I originally wanted to be, I originally went to university to study engineering. 
Okay. Um, yes. Thank Total shift. I didn't go through with that because there'll be bridges falling down all over the place and cars <laughs> breaking down all over the place. So thank goodness I didn't become an engineer. Uh, oh, no. But and but the, the funny thing was that while I was uh, studying engineering, I I, w- I was running out of of, of money, uh, of, of, of spending money. <laughs> yes. You know? um, and my my parents, you know, bless them. They, they you know they they funded my tuition. They they were Amazing. they were paying for my rent and everything like that. Which mm-hmm. uh, I went to university in Cape Town at the university. Okay. Of Cape Town. Yes. Mm-hmm. And. I it's it just didn't feel right you know sort of you, you try and be a good student you do yeah. and you try yeah. and budget and you know you say right I'm not gonna order pizza this you know I'm, I'm gonna go to yeah. the grocery store and I'm gonna eat cereal for breakfast and I'm gonna eat right. noodles for lunch and I'm gonna eat cabbage for dinner and all of that last then, 24 you know, hours and- exactly and then you go out and but then you go out on one big night and then that's your entire budget right right the month you know and so after about two or three months I just felt bad that I was calling my dad halfway through the month asking for more money. So I said, no, I need to do something about this. And okay. coincidentally, there was a restaurant that worked, that um, was just around the corner from my house, a restaurant called Stardust, which is also a restaurant that's still going on in Cape Town right now, where that's I also cool. um, accumulated a lot of performance knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just around the corner. My housemate said, yeah, you know, you sing, you should go to this, um, this, this restaurant and audition. Uh, you know, I'd never written a CV. I'd never been to a job interview, nothing, you know. So I okay. cobbled together whatever CV I could get together. Yes. Like, you know, graduated high school. That's pretty right, much where right. it ended. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, no, I, you know what? I, did yeah, have, yeah. I, I, I actually got in my final year of high school, I got the second highest, I think I got 90% for my Royal School's grade eight singing exam. Nice. Um, so, you know, I was, you know, took my certificate through there. Right, like, right. Proud of this right there. You know? <laughs> Um, and so I went to the, um, I went to Stardust and I went in there and I said, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to have a job, please. And, you know, the, the manager at the time, he took a look at my CV and just put it down and he said, can you sing? I said, yeah, I can sing. Or is that right? He gave, and he gave me this huge lever arch file, which was one of about 18 or 20 that they had. Okay. All with, uh, lists of backing tracks that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I found a song. I think it was Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley in the comments. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. So went in and did that. And then a few months down the line, you know, after doing my training and all of that, you know, I started to become, you know, one of their key members there. I, I, I was emceeing the nights um, mm-hmm. and, okay. you know, I was building my own repertoire. Uh, I was, you know, coordinating my own performances and things like that. It got, I met my best friend there as well. It, and it, um, it, it, after I left university, I would go back there every year over Christmas and New Year because that's when their season is. Yeah. And I would go and work there. So I learned so much about um, performing. Um, yeah. And that's really where my performance side grew. But that's where um, I started to get into music. And that's when I started to move away from, you know, the engineering side of things, you know. So obviously okay. the end of the year came around and obviously I failed all my subjects. <laughs> and you know it was like well do i reapply for another subject yeah. do i reapply for another course do i retake the year or do i just leave yeah and obviously they neither my parents specifically my father weren't very happy with the last option you know mm-hmm. but i said no i'm i'm out i don't want to do it i, I initially want to take a gap here in the first place mm-hmm. Um, I was muscled out of that decision. Yes, you know, yes. Yeah. All, you know, all of these things come from a good place, but it's sort of yeah. that awkward situation where your parents want to do what's best for you, but you also have to, you know, you're becoming a, a, yeah. an, an adult. Yeah. Um, 
and they're still looking at you as their child, yes. you know. And so it's, it's it's that growing phase of your life, you know. Right. And I'm actually one of um, one of my songs from my EP called "Growing Pains" touches on that. Okay, that's um, I love the that difficulties that I was going through uh, yeah. at that time, you know, dealing with that. Um, so I got home, and then I'm just at home, you know. Yeah. I'm just at home, you yeah. know, because uh, <laughs> you know I don't have a degree, and I don't know how to mm-hmm. get into any jobs or anything like that. Um, and yeah, it was um, my first agent actually found me. Um, I don't know what it was from. I, I was out singing somewhere, something like that. And she yeah. said, you know, and then and there, there was actually a time where I had two agents at once. Okay. And what would happen was uh, one agent sent me for a casting while I was supposed to be in rehearsal for the show that I was in. And that's what they sort of found out about each other. And I didn't know that uh, having two agents, I didn't know at the time that having two agents was a no-no. Right, like, right. It's, it's just, it's one of those lessons that you just, if, if no one else Gotta around learn, you is yep. in the industry, you just have to learn it by yourself. Because right. the only person in my family at the time that was doing music was my cousin, who oh. was also in The Lion King in London, actually. Okay. But he was in the UK at the time. So I had nobody to help me navigate, you know, where I was going with my right. career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, found my agent and then found my other agent and then went to the National Children's Theatre, as I said earlier on. And then yeah. that got me onto The Lion King, which brought me out to Hong Kong, which was okay. a huge culture shock. <laughs> I'm uh, sure. But, but, but it was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. Really, that's where... Uh, you know, I wasn't only performing at Disney. I I was able to create a community of of, of performers. I I, I uh, was performing outside of Disney quite a lot, um, and that was what really got me into uh, in, in, into sort of gigging, into yeah. um, being a live musician, into choosing your own repertoire, into interpreting other songs the way that you want to interpret them. Mm-hmm. And that's the and and that's where the love for that came in. And then when I went back to South Africa after Hong Kong, I auditioned at the same place for the for the UK tour of the Lion King. Um, and I heard back from them. I think it was after it was about eight months, eight or nine months. I think, oh wow! You know, so 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 the you know the idea of getting that job was right left my mind <laughs> so far gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I get an email out of the blue. Yeah, we'd like you to. You know, I was back in Hong Kong at that time. And email out of the blue, we'd like you to come join the UK tour, and it was. It was wow. That was amazing. Um, uh, got to tour the UK. Got to. Uh, we were in Switzerland for eight months as nice. well, which was great. That's, that's uh, a long time. It is a long time. Yeah. So you know, the Lion King. I've been part of the Lion King in some form or another for about six years. So, oh wow! Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. I would not have guessed that. Six years, three different productions on three different continents. That's amazing, though. And then yeah. you get a chance to kind of grow into that role as well. Yes. And I'm sure that's expanded in a lot of different ways over the years as you've performed that too. Yeah. You just spend a long time with the character. It's always like um, whenever you hear the long-running movie series that go on for like eight to ten years. How do you kind of leave that role behind after you're done? Absolutely. Is it a grieving process? Uh, well, for me, it, because I, I was I was in the ensemble. Uh, mm-hmm. I started off in the ensemble when I was on tour uh, uh, and as a cover Simba. Okay. Which I actually got to do a lot of performances at Sim, uh, as Simba. Uh, okay. Which was great. Um, you know, developing the character. Uh, but it's 
I really love the Lion King. I love everything about it. But that I felt that with that character, there's um, it's sort of very hard to establish your own identity in yeah. a musical that's been around for twenty plus years. That's fair. You know, yeah, in a character that has been written. Um, you know, in a specific way and is to be portrayed a specific way. And look, that's mm -hmm. out of respect for the musical. I, yeah. you know, and, and, and that is something that I always understood. Right. Um, and the times that I got to play Simba, um, both on tour, I got to play in London as well at the Lyceum Theatre. Oh, wow. Uh, um, you know, which, which was, I think, the, the second production. After Broadway, that was the next production to yeah. open. Um, and my, 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 my family got a chance to see me How cool. there. Um, it was, it was amazing. Um, but after that, I, I said, no, I, I, I really love this show, but I really want to get out there and try and do something else, which was mm -hmm. use my, you know, use my energy and use my musical knowledge, my knowledge mm -hmm. of piano, um, and my knowledge of songs, um, yeah to get out there and really perform the way that I want to perform, how yeah. I want to perform and what I want to perform. Right. And I think that's what's so amazing and valuable for me is I sit down and have these kind of conversations with a variety of people with different backgrounds in music that, um, especially for my students and even thinking back to the younger me when I started in music, I had this very like straightforward path of, okay, I take lessons from this teacher. I go to school and I get this degree and then I'm going to go out and be successful. And it was like this mm. very like one track path. And that is if it's ever that's never how it is so it's yeah. always this zigzag pattern yeah. and then you end up where you're supposed to be but then you have this wealth of knowledge from all those experiences that you would never have seen yourself in absolutely so uh, you know, one of the things that i that i always say is that sometimes the journey is more important than the destination yes you know? yes and i think too that um when we're talking about kind of finding yourself as a person apart from your parents and figuring out what you like that's compounded tenfold when you are a musician because then you're finding not only who you are but your individuality as an artist as well yes. and so sometimes that's way more of a confusing growth process than just discovering yourself in a, a normal desk career not that that wouldn't happen but it's just a little bit more of a creative process well, it's, so it's, it's, it's because what you do is is such an integral part yes. of you like you're you're you cannot be separated from mm -hmm. your voice mm -hmm. you know um mm -hmm. you know in, in in a lot of other jobs, you know, which I know nothing about, so I'm probably talking rubbish. I've, not, I've, never, held a, <laughs> I've never held a quote-unquote normal job, you know, but right. sort of you go to your job from Monday to Friday and you leave your desk behind and, yeah. you know, and, and that's that, you know. Yes, you might have what you need to bring home and whatnot, right. but, you know, but you, you, you can't leave your voice, you can't take your voice out and put it on the shelf right. and forget about it. It's something mm -hmm. that's always with you and that's always a part of you. Yeah. And, um, you know, talking about, you know, the path, you know, the straight path that you have planned out for yourself, but, uh, you know, the zigzags of life yeah. that come in, you know, one huge zigzag or, and, and spanner in the works was actually when I had to go for vocal surgery. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I know when I listened to another interview that you had done that you said you had a vocal cyst, is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. How long ago was that? Uh, this was in September, uh, I first found out about it in September of 2017. Okay. Yes. And so kind of walk through the process of how you even knew that something was wrong with your voice and then going through that surgery process. Okay. So uh, I was performing 
uh, I was I, I was performing and gigging about four four or five times a week wow. um, from doing sets from nine o'clock till one in the morning. Wow. Uh, so it's, and so it's a dueling, it's the place that I work most that it's a dueling pianos bar. That's awesome. Um, you know, so, I, you know, for those of you who don't understand the concept of dueling piano, you basically have two pianos on stage and then mm -hmm. it's requests all night. However, this place that I work at the piano works takes that concept one step further by adding a full band behind. Oh, wow. No pressure. And, yeah, no, no pressure. No, no, no. And, <laughs> no, I've, I've literally been handed a request for a song, had to listen to the song on Spotify while the other pianist and the whole band are playing another song. I've had to look <laughs> up the tab, figure out the chords, and then just literally go. That's you know, intense. And me and, me and the uh, incredible team um, of, of musicians that work there, you know, that's what we, that's what we have to do. Yeah. Um, and that really, that's really why I think I cut my teeth as a musician. That's Absolutely. I, you have no choice, but to baptism by fire. You yes. Know? Uh, yes. Yeah. Baptism of fire. Sorry. Trial by fire. That's yes. That's it. That anyway, so, um, I'm working there. I'm seeing, and things just aren't feeling right. My voice is getting fatigued a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, I, my falsetto register was nowhere to be found. Um, okay. I couldn't, uh, sing as high as I used to. And as, and just things weren't coming out as consistently mm -hmm. as I was used to them coming out. Mm -hmm. And I know what vocal fatigue feels like, um, because yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd been to ear, nose and throat specialists before, you know, mm -hmm. in, in Hong Kong, I'd been to a few, you know, I'd, you know, I, I know what, swelling of the vocal cords feels like you know from vocal overuse not necessarily strain but th right. this this felt different and i said okay. you know, something's wrong and um my local hospital in the borough of lewisham where i was born and uh where my mother lives now mm -hmm. um happened to house the top um voice uh, the, the top ent facility in the uk Wow. Um, and part of that was um, an institute called the Voice Clinic, which mm -hmm. is solely dedicated to vocal uh, rehabilitation and sorting okay. out vocal problems um, for people like singers who use their voice as part of their daily life. You know, mm -hmm. they also work with people like teachers. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I went to them and I said, listen, this is what I'm feeling this is what I do. And they, you know, they took an assessment of, you know, who I am and what I do, how much I'm singing per week and things like that. And so I went for the endoscopy. They put the camera down my throat. They pulled it out, printed it out. And the doctor turned to me and said, right. And he, and he held up a picture of my vocal cords. And he says, there it is clear as day. You've got a cyst on your vocal cord. And as I, uh, uh, Dr. Gibbons was his name. And I appreciate how, sort of almost nonchalant he was about it because he didn't want me to panic but yeah I heard and saw it and my heart just fell through the floor yeah because that's your instrument exactly like what mm -hmm. like what do you do it's 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 the, it's the thing you know from when I was in school from uh, my, my my vocal teachers you know the 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 last thing you ever, 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 ever want as a singer is nodules or cysts or any sort of type of growths on your vocal cords. Right. And, and, um, and I remember just thinking like, is this it? Yeah. Like what I 
don't know how to do anything else except <laughs> sing. Yep. I've devoted my entire life to this craft. And is it now all going to disappear because of this? Like, mm -hmm. wh what's going to happen? Am I going to be able to sing again? And even if I am, am I going to be able to sing as well as I, you know, yep. as, as I sung before? Um, is this mm -hmm. going to leave me vocally, you know, vocally handicapped for, for, for lack of a better term? You sure. Know? Um, and I, and, you know, him doing what he does, he's obviously dealt with this type of thing before, mm -hmm. you know, um, which is why he was so relaxed about it. And I, you know, of course I appreciate that, but you know, when, when someone's telling you, you know, to, to be calm and whatnot, you know, the last, your last reaction is to, is right. to be calm. Absolutely. So sort of took a second to process and I'm like, he's like, listen, it's not a problem. I'm going to, we're going to put you under the knife. It'll be a 20 minute operation and I'm just going to cut it out. Simple. Wow. And I look back at him. I said, really? Is that simple? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're going to put me on an operating table. You're going to yeah. put me to sleep. You're going to stick a knife down my throat and just slice my vocal cords out. Yes. Glad sure. it's so easy for you. Right, yeah. right. But, but uh, you know, the fact of the matter is it, it was. That's, that's what he does. Uh, uh, it, the same way that I've devoted my life to singing, he's devoted his life to taking right. people's voices. Well, that's a know? level of trust that you have to have too, though. It, it is. Wow. And, uh, and, you know, so I said, okay, I said, what's, what's the procedure going to be? He said, well, I'm going to see when they have a time open in the operating theater, but basically we're going to get you in. I'm going to slice it out. And then uh, we can go over the recovery process when it gets closer to the time. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. I said, um, he said, do you have any more questions? I said, yes. Um, was this avoidable? Um, was this something that was due to vocal fatigue was it something that was due to incorrect singing mm -hmm. like what he said nope he said you can get assist anywhere on your body you, you know cysts cyst can appear anywhere in right. your body um yours just happened to appear on your vocal cord he said if you want a singer wow. you probably wouldn't even notice it that's so random yeah yeah <laughs> because um, he said otherwise your vocal cords look perfectly healthy but of course because of that cyst the way your vocal cords you know you yeah i can't use, vibrate as you know that your vocal yeah. cords can't vibrate together mm -hmm. properly there'll be a gap yep. there which is why i couldn't reach the notes that i was going to reach that's why my voice was fatiguing so quickly or a lot right. quicker than it usually does yeah um that had to be a relief so though knowing that your technique was solid Yes, it was. Yeah. It, it, it was a big relief. I don't know yeah. that, cause, cause, you know, <laughs> like I, I don't have to change anything. We're good to go. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So um, that they they had um, so that was all sorted. I had the date booked in. The date was mm -hmm. booked in for November. Um, however, this information when I uh, I received this information and went for this checkup slap bang in the middle of when i was recording my ep i mean oh. the ep recording was in full swing okay um very inopportune uh, time yes <laughs> exactly you know um so we 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 were making really great headway with recording all of the instrumentals and things um and so and i actually had the showcase for the ep um before the operation okay uh and I said I was working uh, with uh, my co-producer and a recording engineer, Jimmy Goodwin. And I said to him, listen, 
there's no point in me trying to put down these vocals right now. Let's finish the instrumentals, do whatever we need to do in terms of instrumentals and arrangements and everything like that. Let me go under the knife. And then when I'm fully fit, I'll come back. We'll lay these vocals out and then we'll take it from there. Yeah. Um, and I had also just signed a, uh, a contract with a, a vocal group that I joined at the time that was going to be doing a lot of touring and whatnot. So and th that touring was due to start in February. So I wanted to mm -hmm. get into the operating theater as soon as possible so I could get out and recover. Right. So I went in for the, for the operation in November. Okay. So the recovery process basically entails, you can't say nothing. Oh yeah, gotta so, carry yeah, around the little whiteboard. Exactly. And just like, <laughs> I saw, yep, I have my little whiteboard. Yes. I had a bell next to my bed. And, oh oh yeah, on hand and foot. It was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but oh, with, took it a little know, too far, didn't you? <laughs> I did, but I had to. I'm a dramatic person. You know, anybody Perfect. will tell you, you know. Yes, but you know, yes. anybody who knows me, they know how loud, how outspoken I am, and whatnot. You know, so the, for everyone, it was so strange hearing me so quiet. Yeah. You know. But yeah. It was, Three days of complete and total silence. Okay. I couldn't say absolutely nothing, mm -hmm. not a peep. Mm -hmm. After three days, you then move to your first week and you can use your voice, but only at 25%. Okay. So you have to say literally the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. uh, then you can move up to 50% vocal use. And then the week after that, 75% vocal use. And then a week after that, 100% vocal use. So there was basically a month of mm -hmm. bearing in mind that because I'm self-employed and because, you know, I invoice for my work, mm -hmm. I'm not making any money during this time. Right. However, mm -hmm. if I don't have this, you know, I can't go on singing like, you know, with a sister, my vocal cords. So yeah. After that uh, rehabilitation period, they then send you in for vocal rehab. Right. Um, I had an incredible doctor, Dr. Rehab Award was her name. Um, and she, yeah, it was basically just doing vocal exercises, sort of relearning how to use my yeah. voice. You know, I was learning to have to talk differently. I was learning like that projection um, and that exactly, breath management you know, and all that. Yeah. <laughs> or not, not even the project, no, the, not even the projection and the voice manager. It's just where I placed my voice. Okay. Um, from, 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 from when I'm speaking. Um, and you know, because you can't, you, I wasn't even singing again at that time. So I couldn't even, I didn't even want to think about breath control or anything yeah. like that, you know? Um, but I was very fortunate, you know, so they usually give you about a two to three month recovery period. I was back mm -hmm. gigging in six weeks. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Six weeks I was back gigging and, um, everything was going fine. I would say I was, I would say I was back to a hundred, like fully hundred percent, you know, um, you know, back to, doing all the screaming and all the high, yes, yes. high tenor things and you know, mm -hmm. all of that uh probably after about two months okay. two and a half months yeah that's honestly still not as bad as i would have thought it would have been yeah there okay. wasn't um but again it was just that one very concentrated local area of True. vocal cords that was um that that was affected yeah and it hasn't um, caused any other complications? No, it hasn't. I had, I was officially discharged um, in, I, I was officially discharged on my birthday last year. October wow, 9th. good birthday gift. Yeah. Good, great birthday yes. gift. Yeah, so I was discharged <laughs> from the hospital. Uh, I was discharged, they say, 
Um, they said, we never want to see you again because obviously that would mean that I stay vocally healthy and all of that. But right. um, I, I really owe so, so, so much to the voice clinic and their incredible team mm-hmm. uh, because they're the reason why I'm able to carry on doing what I'm yeah. doing today. Good. Yeah. I mean, I do have um, students who have battled really bad, like acid reflux. So it's caused burns on their vocal cords Um, and they have gone and been cleared by the ENT to start singing again. But there's always that fear factor there. Like you mentioned, will this affect my voice in the long term? Will I always sound this hoarse and this scratchy? Will I be able to get my vocal flexibility back? And it's really cool to see them kind of grow through that process and not even realize that they're starting to use their voice back to their full capacity and be like, see, I knew you could do it again. And then they're all like, (laughs) but that's awesome you know the 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 journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step you know of course when you're going when you're in that state of mind that state of panic yeah um you know that state of uncertainty that's all the time you're going to be thinking that's what you're going to be thinking will i be able to sing like this again will i be able to but you know the more time you give yourself and when you just allow you know the professionals or whoever's helping you out with this recovery process, if you just trust their knowledge, trust yeah. their wisdom, and trust your body to heal yeah. itself, because the vocal cord, like any other, you know, it's just a muscle. Mm-hmm. Like any, you know, when you, you know, you sprain your ankle or you you, you, t- you tear a ligament, you know, you don't, right. you, you don't just get up and start running again. You know, right. it takes time, and then before you know it, you forgot that your vocal cords were even affected or that right. ligament was even affected. Right, right. That's awesome. So yeah, thank you for that little boost for them. <laughs> no worries. No, I, That's going to be awesome. I, I, I want my story to be able to, to help people. You know, I, I, I don't think it's a, a very fascinating or important story, but anybody that I can- It goes a long way down that self-confidence. That. So yeah. for sure. Hello, everyone. It is post-editing Gabrielle sneaking in here really fast to interrupt. I'm so sorry. But I hope you're enjoying our interview so far. I consider myself very fortunate to have had the opportunity to sit and talk to Kaya, who's based all the way in London, to get to virtually meet him almost face-to-face through Zoom and celebrate the achievements that he's had in his life and highlight the success that he's had as a musical artist and hopefully inspire you along the way. So if you're enjoying what you've heard, part two of this podcast will be live tomorrow or you can watch the episode in its entirety on our YouTube channel. So open your YouTube app, Search Gabrielle Studio of Music, and we will see you there tomorrow. To learn more about the Own Your Voice podcast or to join the growing community, visit GabrielleStudioOfMusic.com and the Own Your Voice podcast on Instagram. As always, remain committed to owning the power of your unique voice because what you have to say, both musically and personally, is much too important not to be heard. 